Welcome to the Farm Bits podcast. Farm Bits is proudly produced by the Nebraska Digital Agriculture Team and is hosted by students at the University of Nebraska. The Farm Bits podcast comes to you each week to discuss the trends, the realities, and the value of digital agriculture. Through interviews with experts, producers, and innovators from across the agricultural industry, we hope that you step away from each episode with new practical knowledge of digital agriculture technology. Hello, FarmBits followers, and welcome to another episode of the FarmBits podcast. I'm Emily Hansen. And I'm Rana Farasati, and we are glad to have you with us as we continue our discussion on gardening tools. Today, we're joined by Joe Jones, founder and chief technology officer at Turtle. Joe has an extensive history with robotics, so let's jump into the episode on the Turtle Weeding Robot. Uh, so I'm Joe Jones, and I've been in robotics for a very long time, uh, basically since robots were powered by steam. I've been working on them. Um, <clears throat> but even before that, I uh, grew up in a little uh, farming community in southwest Missouri, uh, although when I was there, I was really never interested in agriculture, and I thought I'd gotten away from that forever when I went to, uh, to Massachusetts to go to college. Uh, but 40 years later, and I sort of come back to the to the same thing. So uh, I measured in physics in college, thinking that I was going to become an experimental physicist. But then I, I had the problem that I could never quite find anything in physics that I was really passionate about. So uh, after a while, um, working, uh, I worked at a linear accelerator for a while in the Boston area. Uh, after that, I took a trip around the world and I was gone for a year. And when I got back, they were hiring at the MIT Artificial Intelligence Lab. And they were kind enough to give me a job. And when I got there, I discovered that robots is my passion. That's, that's what I really wanted to do. So uh, I've been doing that ever since. Uh, I spent about nine years at the lab. And then uh, they ran out of money and everybody got laid off, or the research staff did. Uh, and then I got uh, a job with uh, iRobot. iRobot was just starting up in those days. So I was at iRobot for almost 14 years, and I got to uh, be one of the inventors of uh, the Roomba robotic floor cleaner when I was there. When I left, I started a company called Harvest Automation with uh, some friends that I had made at iRobot, and we built a little robot that moves potted plants around. I did that for a number of years. And then more recently, um, I started a company with another uh, colleague uh, called Turtle Corporation, and we build a little robot that uh, that weeds home gardens. Um, and there's actually one step beyond that you might not have heard of yet, but uh, Turtle Corporation has now merged with Harvest Automation. So we're all back working together again. And that's sort of where I am. Yeah, that's really cool. You seem to have quite the career in robotics. <laughs> Yeah, that's really an interesting story. So what is Turtle and how did your company start it? So Turtle is a little robot that uh, weeds home gardens. Um, it's um, about eight inches in diameter, about four or five inches tall. It has a tiny little weed whacker on the bottom and you put it in the garden and it, it, uh, it takes care of the weeds for you for the whole season. The way that uh, the company got started was basically... Um, uh, I, uh, so I, I like technology. I don't like doing all of the things that one has to do to uh, start a company. I do not want to be the CEO. 
But uh, in order to start a company, you have to have somebody who's willing to be at the CEO. So I found uh, in uh, a colleague of mine that I had worked with at Harvest, uh, a guy named Rory McKean, and he was willing to be the CEO. So we got together and we started the company. And that was uh, like 2015 or so, I think. Yeah, that's really cool. So where is uh, Turtle based out of and where are a majority of your customers located? So uh, Turtle Corporation is in uh, uh, close to Boston in Massachusetts, and we have customers in all 50 states and, and Canada, and we actually have a number of people in other countries uh, who uh, have acquired the robot, even though we don't actually sell in other countries, so they have to jump through some hoops to get it, but uh, a lot of people around the world kind of love it. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, like, I also saw, like, in the Amazon review and also, like, your web uh, turtle review that your customer is really loving your product. Um, What I want to ask is, how did you come up with the idea of a wedding robot? So the idea wasn't actually mine. Um, I had been, uh, I was at Harvest Automation at the time, and I was always thinking about but what else can robots do besides carry potted plants around nursery farms? Uh, and there were a lot of folks interested in doing robotic weeding. And I thought robotic weeding was a cool idea also, but I couldn't come up with a method that I thought was better than what everybody else was already working on. So that didn't really go anywhere. And then there was this conference in Cambridge, Massachusetts called Robo Madness. And um, I went to that conference. And there I met uh, uh, an acquaintance of mine. And he suggested the idea of how about a little robot that weeds home gardens. And it seemed like that was that was really appealing. The making a product for home gardens actually turned out to sort of sidestep a bunch of the problems that I had worried about with um, uh, farm based, uh, you know, agricultural weeders. So uh, it, it seemed so uh, in, such an intriguing problem that I immediately started working on it. And uh, the company was found, actually founded uh, a year or so later. Yeah, that's really, really neat. Um, can you maybe go into a little bit more detail on how you got so interested in robotics and kind of how you progressed through all of the different uh, experiences that you've had with robotics? Well, it could be a really long story, but uh, uh, like I said, I was I started off thinking that I was going to be an experimental physicist um, and not being able to find, uh, you know, like there's condensed matter physics and there's astrophysics and there's various different branches. And I could never find one that I was really passionate about. And to get a PhD, you have to really be driven to do that one thing. So um, I got out of the PhD program. Like I said, I went around the world. When I got back, uh, I got to the uh, artificial intelligence lab at MIT, and it was just filled with these brilliant people doing these really cool things. Uh, and the, the technology I just thought was amazing. And I believed that um, in, within you know three to five years, I was predicting and telling all my friends in three to five years, robots are going to be everywhere and they're going to be doing all kinds of things. This was in 1982. And you might know the story, three to five years later, robots were nowhere, they were doing nothing. Um, and I, I began to wonder, you know, why is that? Why is this things that I thought had such great potential uh, and there was such a great need for them? Why were they not sort of everywhere doing everything? And it, uh, it seemed to me that the reason was because roboticists were sort of loving robots to death. Uh, roboticists were always wanted to build the robot with the biggest bang. They wanted to build a robot that was sort of the most impressive, had the most technology and did all the coolest stuff. 
rather than building the thing that gave you the most bang for the buck. That is something that solved a problem that people actually had that uh, people were willing to pay to have solved. What, you, what I thought what you needed to do was to treat robots like they were products and uh, start with the idea that it's a product and nobody's going to buy it because it's a robot. They will buy it because it's a product and it does something that they want done. So that was uh, sort of the, the, the idea that I came up with and formed the basis for Roomba and basically all the other robots that I have worked on since then. So like I said, I was at, uh, at the artificial intelligence lab and uh, they had gotten a grant for like 10 years or so that had supported a bunch of research staff. And then they stopped being able to get that grant. So after that, I briefly went to a, uh, a company called Denning Mobile Robotics. Um, and there I tried to propose to them the idea that they should build a little robot that cleans floors. And uh, this was in 1991. And uh, both, uh, so I, I connected with a, a mechanical engineer there. He and I worked together on a little demonstration product and we showed it to the company. Um, and it seemed great, right? I thought it was great. I could see the promise of this thing. Um, but the president of the company did not see the promise. So he fired both me and the guy who had helped me build the robot. <laughs> but then right after that is when uh, iRobot was starting up and they were sympathetic to the idea that a, a small robot can accomplish great things. So I, uh, but in the early days, uh, iRobot wasn't able to fund the development of a product like that. They were just barely making barely making payroll. And uh, so that went on for a few years. Finally, over time, very gradually, the company got into a stronger financial uh, situation and they did start um, uh, another colleague of mine at iRobot and I proposed that they build Roomba and they, they agreed to do that. And um, that worked really, really well. That worked much better than any of us had any, any right to suspect. So after a few years more of that, um, it seemed like iRobot didn't really want to do anything else new. They will claim that they did, but I didn't feel like they did. So if I wanted to do something other than consumer floor care robots, I had to start another company. So that's when I jumped ship and some other folks that I had worked with came with me and we built uh, a Harvest Automation. And we spent uh, a number of years building robots that quite successfully moved potted plants around uh, nursery farms and greenhouses. And then um, that was the, the, the interest was kind of moving away from that towards warehouse robots. And I wasn't really interested in warehouse robots. So it was at that time that jumped ship again and started uh, uh, started Turtle Corporation. Yeah, that's really cool. I know I've been interested in robotics since I was in elementary school. I competed in like first Lego league all throughout that. Yeah, it's a brilliant idea that you finally um, found a turtle and it's a weeding robot like helping people to do gardening and something. But can you tell us a bit more about the weeding robot and how it really works? Sure. I wanted to be a gardener. I never I've never gardened. But when I decided that I wanted to build this, this robot that weeds home gardens, I thought I want to have the gardener experience. I want to do all the stuff that gardeners do. So I started a garden. And uh, I meant to be really diligent about it. I meant to get out there every weekend and, and you know, do the weeds and do all the other stuff you're supposed to do. And I didn't do that, right? I, uh, I kept putting it off. You go out there and you see the weeds and they're not that tall. Uh, and it always turned out that the best time to weed would be next weekend or tomorrow. 
And then I came back from a, uh, like a one or two week vacation and you couldn't tell where the, the crops ended and the weeds began. It was just a big green mass. So the thing that I thought that the, a robot could do for you is it could provide for me, it could provide the diligence that I lacked. I want to build a product I put out in the garden, I activate it basically, and I don't have to do anything else. It just does its thing. It patrols every day, anytime it finds a weed, it chops the weed down so that you know you take you 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 expend no effort and yet you have a weed-free garden. So that was uh that was how we got to, to to that part of the that part of the situation. Uh, basically, there's two modalities, and one of them was a surprise to us. So the robot has a little uh, sort of a miniature weed whacker on the bottom. And our idea when we began was that the, the little weed whacker would do all the work. It would, uh, you know, the robot runs around, it turns the, the weed whacker on when it thinks that there's a weed underneath it, and that would put it down. But what we expected to find when we had plate, we had um, um, uh, tested the robot for a while, we expected that we'd look closely at the ground and we saw these little stumps of weeds uh, where the robot had cut them down. But that's not what we saw. Instead, what happened was the weed just never came up. And what we believe is going on is that just the fact that the robot is always uh, running around your garden and uh, running its wheels over the garden, it does enough churning such that any weeds that are in the, you know, that, the germination zone, they tend to get chewed up just because the robot is running over them. So um, that turned out to be really fortuitous because we hadn't anticipated that the wheels would do anything. And yet it seems to be the case that the wheels do most of the work. The wheels are mostly the weeds just don't sprout because they get run over by uh, and chewed up by the weed, by the wheels. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, are there any sort of requirements that you need to use the weeding robot, like some sort of a barrier around your plants or the edge of your garden? Yeah, you do. Uh, so uh, we had to make turtle as inexpensive uh, and dumb, basically as dumb as we could. And the way that you do that is, uh, in, in one case anyway, it, there has to be a barrier, a physical barrier around the garden. And that can be a fence or it can be, you know, decorative uh, timbers or whatever people usually put around their gardens. Uh, without that, turtle in its zealousness will just wander away and try to find weeds wherever they may be. So it does, you have to have, first off, you have to have um, the barrier. Um, you need to have a garden that is at least as flat as you can get it by, you know, running a leaf rake over the garden. You, you can't have big ruts and big rocks. It has to be relatively flat. It also has to not have a great slope. If the, the slope um, is more than like 15% grade or so, uh, you can get to a situation where the robot tends to spend more of its time at the bottom of the, uh, of the garden than anywhere else. And then if you put in uh, plants, if you put in um, uh, small plants or seedlings, you, have, uh, you want to put something around them. And we have these things called plant guards that are sort of like a, a tiny little tomato cage that you put around the plants. And then that tells uh, the robot uh, to leave that plant alone. Uh, there's also uh, other instruments uh, uh, called a row guard that uh, protect uh, a row of, of seedlings. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, that seems pretty user-friendly and pretty easy to install. Yep. Yeah, how does the robot actually like differentiate the plants from the weeds if it is like um, you don't use the um, the tools that you mentioned before? So yeah, uh, again, we wanted the robot to be really inexpensive. So there's no vision system on the robot. 
The way that uh, Turtle decides whether a plant is a, um, a plant that you want, a crop or a weed, is basically how tall it is. Turtle thinks that a tall plant is a, a crop that you want and it will turn away from it. And it thinks that any uh, plant that's short enough so that it goes under the bumper is a weed and it tries to cut it down. And that is the, uh, the reason that you need uh, the plant and the row guards uh, to protect, the tr to protect your, your tiny plants from the robot. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, are there any sort of sensors or does it just go based off of if it bumps into the guard, it turns away? Well, there are sensors that, only, that enable that, right? So inside, uh, inside the front of the robot, there are a couple of capacitive sensors and capacitive sensors turn out to be wonderful for this application because anything that is a, a tiny bit conductive and that basically means anything that has a little bit of moisture in it uh, will excite the uh, capacitive sensor in just the same way that you know you you put your finger on uh, uh, there's all kinds of buttons that have capacitive sensors and it detects the capacitance of your finger uh, to to turn on or turn off. Uh, uh, Turtle does basically the same thing. So uh, there is that that basic sensor, and then there's also um, uh, shaft encoders. So we know how far the wheels turn, and that helps the robot go straight. And it also has uh, an IMU uh, gyroscopes and accelerometers uh, to try to not go down or up too steep uh, uh, a row or a hill or something. Yeah, that's really interesting how it works. Um, and it can really knows like how uh, where the turtle shoot goes in your garden and can differentiate between plant and the weeds. Um, in your opinion, what are the benefits of the autonomous weeding that your robot does? So the benefits are basically that you don't have to remember to, to weed. Uh, so if uh, if, if you're like me and you, you procrastinate, you put off the weeding, that, that, uh, the, the turtle will save you from that. It will, uh, it will take care of the weeds when you forget. But it also turns out that it can help people uh, who are mobility challenged, uh, especially older folks who gardened all their lives and then they find that it gets harder and harder to get down on their knees and do the weeding. The robot can take care of that for you so that uh, you can spend, you know, you can continue to have a garden into your, your old age. Yeah, sounds great. It's really helpful, like to not really move at all and let the robot does uh, the works. Yeah. Um, I think I read on your website that Turtle is solar uh, powered. What are some of the benefits of having a solar powered robot compared to like a battery operated one that has to go charge? Yeah. So the uh, part of my vision for robots is that really people don't want robots. They want what robots do for them. So what I imagine that in the future, instead of the, the things that you see so commonly in, in science fiction shows, there won't be all these robots walking around and inter interacting with you. The robots will be in the background. They'll be invisible. They'll just do the things that you want done, but you don't have to interact with them or see them. And the solar panel is actually part of that because that means that rather than you having to go and uh, you know, take a battery out or plug a charger in, the robot takes care of that for you. It just lives in the garden, soaks up the uh, energy from the sun when it has enough energy, then it goes patrolling for weeds. When the energy in the battery then is drawn down, it sits in the sun and waits to recharge again. So that's part of the vision for, I, uh, for part of my vision of how robots are going to work. So with that, if it's staying in the garden and you know recharging from the sun, is turtle like waterproof or do you have oh, to yeah. bring it in if you get like a torrential downpour? Uh, you don't have to. We like to say that turtle can survive any 
weather event that your plants can survive. So if there's a hurricane, you know, you might want to take it in. But uh, if it's rain or, you know, other things, the common, you know, common weather events, uh, it doesn't bother it at all. It sounds really helpful and, you know, like uh, really uh, can adapt in every kind of weather. So, yeah, I think people will really love these products. Um, what is the biggest challenge so far that you have been seeing in this robot? So uh, the biggest challenge in this robot and pretty much any robot that you want to, to sell to people as opposed to send to Mars is cost. It's always really, really hard to build something which has all the sensors and the technology that a robot has in it. And still, it has to be cost competitive with whatever solution people are using for their, uh, to solve the problem now. So that's, that's one of the biggest, from my opinion, that's one of the biggest reasons that you don't see more robots all over the place. Because it's really, really hard to make something so complex and capable and yet keep the cost really low. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. Do you have like um, any things to maintain this robot? So there's only one thing that you really have to do. And like I said, there's this little weed whacker on the bottom. And over time, uh, especially if you have rocky, sandy soil, the uh, like any weed whacker, it'll get worn down. So you have to replace the little weed whacker string occasionally. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have some sort of like a customer service uh, specialist or like somewhere where customers can ask questions if they have yeah. when they're setting yes, up there? Uh, you can uh, send a, uh, a question to, I think it's info at turtle.com or or one of those. Uh, somebody will get back to you with your with an answer to your question. Yeah, that's really nice. So people can just ask how to maintain this robot right away then. Um, yeah, a number of people. Uh, so. People often wonder that it, whether it will work in, in their garden. It won't work at every garden. You do have to have enough room between your plants for the for turtle to get around. Uh, and you also may not know, well, is my grade 20, 15% or is it more or less than that? Uh, we like it when people uh, send us pictures of their garden and we'll give you an honest answer about whether we think uh, turtle will be uh, comfortable in your garden or not. Mm -hmm. I was wondering um, how much the area that turtle can works because sometimes people have like quite a big garden and like this turtle works with the um, like the online maps to move or how so can it, it doesn't use any maps it just uh, it, like the original Roomba it wanders around and goes everywhere that it, it can get to and uh, what we tell people is that it can work in a garden up to about 200 square feet now um, Exactly how many square feet it can it can handle is is a function of you know how much sunlight you get, the the kind of weeds that you have in your area, and a number of other things. So uh, we have had reports from people that they've with gardens as large as a thousand square feet that turtle work fine for them. But I would not advise somebody with a thousand square foot garden to think that yeah one turtle will be enough. Uh, if you have a two hundred square foot garden, because I have a two hundred square foot garden, it works fine there. So that's uh, that's sort of the limit of what I want to claim. Okay. Yeah. Does Turtle have any plans to expand into any other areas in the future, um, like different types of robots or products to go along with the weeding robot? So uh, the event that has happened recently is that Turtle Corporation has just, just last month, the end of the last day of last month, we merged with Harvest Automation. So uh, as a part of Harvest Automation, we are now developing 
another robot, and that robot will be for agriculture. Um, but we haven't announced it yet, so I can't quite say what it is. But uh, I, I plan to keep on working on uh, robots in, you know, related to agriculture. I think it, it's a great spot for robots and it's great fun. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what that new robot is. I'll definitely be looking into that. Cool. Um, what are you most looking forward in the future with the turtle? So the thing that I'm most hopeful for about turtle in the future is broader market acceptance. So uh, when we worked on Roomba, it was uh, it was amazing the kind of success that it had, and it was just it seemed like it was overnight, and it just sort of took off. And Turtle has not fared quite as well. Uh, I think Turtle is a wonderful product. I love it. I use it. Uh, I know a bunch of people who also love it and use it, but it hasn't quite taken off in the same way that Roomba has. So I'm hoping that at some point Turtle will get there. So if our listeners want to learn more about this turtle, where can they go to find more information about it? They, they can go to our website, turtle.com, T-E-R-T-I-L-L.com. Perfect. Um, is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you might want to add or mention to share with our listeners? Well, uh, for anybody who is thinking about um, going into robotics, I, I do want to say robots are really hard. Uh, they are deceptively hard because they seem like since they're just a part, uh, people, if, if um, let's say, uh, people don't hesitate to tell you how you should design your robot, right? And, and uh, it seems like uh, folks think that it, it ought to be easy, that it's kind of obvious how you should do it. But it's a, it's a technical problem. Uh, it, it's a it's a product with a lot of technology in it and a lot of specialized knowledge goes into it and they're really hard so uh if you're thinking about getting into robots you have to be prepared for that sort of thing it uh, uh even when you think you've taken into account how hard they are they turn out to be harder than that yeah and to kind of piggyback onto that last question uh, we have a tradition here on the farm bits podcast and it's to ask for a piece of advice so what advice do you have for anyone who's interested in robotics and agriculture start with the market. A lot of people uh, are attracted to robots because the technology is really cool. I, I was attracted to them because it's so cool and, and they're so much fun to work on. But um, people, customers don't buy products because they're cool. They don't buy products because they're chock full of high technology. They buy products because it solves a problem that they have. So if you want to go into, uh, into robotics, uh, you really have to think about what is the problem that you're trying to solve and make sure that it's not just sort of a made up problem so that you can build a cool robot. It's an actual problem that, that people have. In fact, the, the trick that I always try to use is when I think of a new robot that I want to build, um, I try not to build a robot. I try to figure out if there is any other more conventional way that this problem could be solved. And only if you can't solve it in a cheaper, easier way using something that's not a robot, should you then consider building a robot to solve the problem. Thank you very much to Joe for taking the time to join us on this episode of the Farm Bits podcast. It's really exciting to see how robotics can be very helpful with gardening. One of my favorite parts of this episode was how Joe's worked with so many different types of robots and all of his different experiences. I also like the vision of developing more agricultural robots in the future. 
I hope you enjoyed that episode and we look forward to sharing another digital act story with you next week on FarmBits. Thank you for taking the time to join us today on the FarmBits podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about the latest content each week. We welcome your feedback, so if you have comments or questions for us, please reach out to us over email, on Twitter, or in the review section of your favorite podcast platform. Our contact information can be found in the show notes. We would like to thank Nebraska Extension for their support of this podcast and their commitment to providing high-quality informational material to members of the agricultural community in Nebraska and beyond. The opinions expressed by the hosts and guests on this podcast are solely their own and do not reflect the views of Nebraska Extension or the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We look forward to you joining us next week for another episode of FarmBits.